0: Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com store. Hello junkies! Summertime and the living's easy. Unless you're suffering from 110 degree heat. Of course. Hey! We were getting ready to ship the gangster hardcover, which means we were cleaning out the warehouse to make room for big, fat, girthy pallets of hardbound wonder, and we found some t-shirts that we thought we were all sold out of. Can't tell you what we have until we do the full inventory, but we did find a few boxes, and those shirts will be up at scottsigler.com slash shop as of Thursday, July 8th. We'll be talking about the shirts more on the Sigler & Place livestream, stream which is every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, which means on Wednesday, July 7th, at that time, we'll be showing you what we got. Oh yeah. The shirts will actually be going live in our store during that Sigler place. So if you want to hang with us, and watch it is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler, YouTube.com slash Scott Sigler, twitch.tv slash ScotSigler. Again, those are every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The live streams are always a blast. You can hang out with a real girl, herself, and I and a bunch of junkies. It's a good time. Oh, oh, you guys, have you heard of the Delta variant? COVID is all like, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for okay, I've been here for a year and a half or so. Pay attention to that stuff when you hear about it. If you are unvaccinated, I am not being political at all when I say, I don't want to see you get sick. I don't want to see you lose time at work. And I sure as hell don't want to see you with a ventilator. And I don't want to see you die. So if you haven't been vaccinated yet, get on it. Get real science. Stop listening to all this other garbage look into it. If you've only had one shot and not your second, get your second shot. Finish the job! It's what Greedock the Splithead would want. Speaking of Greedock, let's get caught up on the story, then we're all going to go carve some coasters out of an old mammoth skull. Previously on The Gangster, Greedock has the upper hand, but the fight isn't over. He must make a decision on Quentin's fate, and do so before the prison forces rally. Blood will flow next on The Gangster, episode number 31. Winners and Losers Greedock had enjoyed many victories over many enemies. None tasted as sweet as this. Quentin Barnes was at the cell's far wall, on his knees, as was the big human guard and Dr. Sackacorn They had their hands above their heads, delicate human fingers laced together. Greedox stood near the open cell door, cradling his broken pedipalp arm. He focused on tuning out the pain, finding the places in his thoughts where the pain lived and shutting those places down. Ru Eng Mip stood just inside the door to the left, the limp human female guard held in his two lower arms, the shotgun in his upper arms. Such a small thing she was. At least by human standards. She was slightly larger than Greedok. Virak stood just inside the door to the right. The warrior swayed slightly, his battle with the large human guard having taken a toll. Virak held the oversized pistol, kept it trained on the humans. Hostility poured off the warrior. Greedock would have to choose his words carefully, lest Virak misinterpret something and shoot them all in the blink of an eye. The three humans would die, but not yet, because this was a moment to be savored. The only other sentient there, Masal the Efficient, huddled in a corner, in the shadows cast by the light pouring through the open cell door. The worker trembled. Of course he did. He knew that after Greedock dealt with Barnes and Sackacorn, it would be his turn. Greedock took a half-step closer to Barnes, then thought better of it. As battered as the human was, his speed and strength were never to be underestimated.
1: You took over an entire prison, Greedock said. I am quite impressed. My associates and I will be leaving in a few moments. We will need to know exactly how many more of you are waiting in these corridors or in the landing shaft. You will give me proper, complete directions on how to leave, or the human girl dies first. Understood?
0: Barnes stared at the cell floor, defeated. Sackicorn nodded quickly. As if her expression alone wasn't a clear window to her terror, she stank of fear. Only the human guard seemed unafraid. His heart rate remained steady, barely elevated from the brawl with Virak. Blood sheeted the human's face, trickled from a long gash on his forehead. His right eye was almost swollen shut. A tough customer indeed. Barnes had recruited well. Although the human guard didn't just sound familiar, he looked familiar, even with all the blood and the swelling. Greedock couldn't quite place the connection, and it didn't matter. The man would soon be rotting meat.
1: Be aware, the leader said that if anything unexpected should happen, say, disabling sonic emissions or this room filling with gas, you will all die instantly. Do you understand?
0: Sackicorn nodded again, rapidly, the gesture of someone eager to comply to get out of this alive. You need to hurry, she said. The next shift is coming soon. We can still get you out of here unnoticed. As if Greedock would rush this, as if he would miss one moment of this. Barnes sagged to his left, then twitched back upright. He looked to be on the edge of passing out. Had Ruang Mipps' headbutts given him another concussion? If so, good. The more pain the former quarterback suffered, the better. Because unlike Greedock, Barnes could not shut that pain off. Despite Greedock's hatred of Barnes, there was no denying the human significant skill at manipulation— Gredok was not too proud to admit he had been fooled by Sackicorn's ploy. And Barnes had, somehow, taken over an imperial prison. He was truly a leader trapped in a human's body. And yet, as interesting as his plan was, it had failed. On the gridiron, Barnes could lose and come back next week to compete again. In this game, the game of true power, there was only one chance to remove a superior. Greedock savored the irony of how he had won. As small as he was compared to the walking human monster, it had been Greedock's physical attack on Barnes that had turned the tables. Satisfying beyond measure. Barnes's eyelids fluttered. He leaned forward, again jerked upright, blinked madly. He stared out blankly before his eyes found focus, locked in on Greedock. You win, Barnes said. Rue Eng's headbutts had knocked out his two upper front teeth.
1: Of course I did,
0: Greedock said.
1: I always win.
0: Barnes nodded. So it seems. You won, Greedock. Kill me. This was all my doing. Kill me. Let everyone else go. The quarterback now wanted to be brave. Did he think he could simply die and end this? No. It would not be that easy for him. If Greedock didn't send a message—a stern message—another might see the lack of real
1: consequences as weakness. That time has passed, Barnes. I would have let our feud end with your death, with you withering away in this Kretorakian cesspool, but after what you just attempted, one death alone is not enough.
0: A lie, of course. Greedock had always intended to kill everyone Barnes had ever held dear but allowing the human to think his actions had added to the body count would serve to increase his anguish. I hired these people, Barnes said. They're just government workers. Let them go and leave my family and friends be. You gain nothing from hurting them. A weak effort. Barnes would need to try harder. Much harder.
1: These government workers agreed to do this job against me,
0: Greedock said.
1: Therefore, they will pay the price, as will Carol Tweedy, as will Rebecca Montaigne.
0: Greedock watched fury rise in the quarterback's
1: eyes. And not just them, Barnes, Greedock said. Your child will pay as well.
0: The fury vanished, instantly replaced by dread. There it was, the true sign that Barnes knew he'd been beaten, that Greedock was going to destroy everything he had ever loved. Leave them alone, Barnes said. Please. Greedock felt the light orange swirl on his cornea. He did nothing to stop it. Some emotions needed to be shared.
1: And there it is, what I came for, Greedock said. Genuine begging. No acting this time, I see, although I am impressed with your skills in that department. But now that I have heard the real thing, no substitute or fakery would ever slip by me again.
0: Barnes breathed faster. He'd lost any sense of hiding his emotions. Fear, panic, desperation. All utterly delicious. I'll do anything, Barnes said. Anything. The hollowness in his voice. None of the swagger that filled the locker room, none of the defiance Greedock had heard so often in his chamber, none of the command that resonated throughout Ionath Stadium while the Krakens did battle. This human was, perhaps, the greatest foe Greedock had ever faced, yet here he was, defeated and pleading for mercy. Mercy he would not receive. Barnes was shattered.
1: I have not built my empire by being cavalier about betrayal,
0: Credox said.
1: I have standards, Barnes, standards that must be met. In my experience, no matter who is present, word always gets out. And word will get out that when I am challenged, I retaliate not just against the challenger, but against everyone and everything that the challenger holds dear. Your family will suffer, and their suffering is on your head.
0: It was all Quentin could do not to throw up. The dull agony in his head, a throbbing blackness that made it hard to see, to hear, to think. He closed his eyes, wished madly for a time machine so he could go back to that moment in the corridor with Killian, take his father's advice to kill Greedock. Leaving your enemies alive can come back to haunt you. Hunt, Quentin, and Killian, and Aya, and Becca, and the baby, and so many others. Quentin had had his chance. He'd had control. He'd blown it. Now his family would pay for his idiocy. I have money, Killian said. Quentin turned his head to look at his father, the sudden move bringing all the pain back to the surface. Shut up! I'll handle this! Killian huffed. Yeah, you've done a bang-up job so far. Let him talk, Sackicorn said. Quentin couldn't smell fear, not like Greedock could, but he could hear it. Sackicorn knew she was in trouble. She was hoping Killian could do something to get her out of this. Greedock took a few steps closer. He stared, stared at Killian.
1: Wipe that blood from your face,
0: the leader said. Killian sneered. Come here and wipe it off for me. Greedock held up his unbroken pedipal pan. It did something Quentin had never seen him do before. He snapped his fingers. The pistol's roar made everyone twitch. Next to Killian, a chunk of stone floor splintered.
1: The next bullet will be on target,
0: Greedock said.
1: Your choice.
0: How many shots was that? Three? Four? The orphaner pistol held five rounds. How many remained? Killian grimaced. "'He reached to his thigh, pulled a stone splinter free, dropped it on the floor. "'Then he wiped his hand across his face. "'It didn't clear away all of the blood, "'nor did it stop the stream pouring down from the ragged cut on his forehead, "'but it was enough. "'I can
1: scarcely believe what I see,'
0: Greedock said. "'The single eye swiveled to Quentin.
1: "'Congratulations, Barnes. You found your father.'
0: Quentin's soul sank to a new low. Now there was no hope for Killian. He would die, so would Aya. That face, Greedock said,
1: uncannily similar. Perhaps I was too excited by your downfall, Barnes, to recognize the similarity of your voices. That is what I deserve for allowing my emotions to control me. Killian shifted
0: slightly, perhaps only to take weight off one near the other, but Virak leveled the pistol at him. Stay still, the warrior said. Killian smiled. What was he doing? Did he want to die? You seem to be
1: in fine spirits, Mr. Carbonaro, Greedock said. Why would that be?
0: Because I know we can make a deal, Killian said. I've been in this game for a long time. I promise you, I can—
1: Enough!
0: Greedock's single word rang off the walls. Virak, the leader said.
1: If Mister Carbonaro utters so much as a single syllable, kill him.
0: Understood, Shamakov. Quentin heard the eagerness in Vyrak's voice. Killian closed his mouth. He said nothing. Blood trickled down his face. The faintest hint of black curls danced on Greedox's cornea, then vanished. Anger twisting inside that tiny body—lethal anger. Greedock corralled his emotions, all of them, and pushed them down deep, locking them away just as he had the pain of the broken pedipalp. He had allowed himself to feel and show excitement, even played games by letting others see it. His lack of control had blinded him to the obvious. It was time to focus on the business at hand.
1: Let us move to the end game, Barnes. You are known for your toughness, but as with all things, there are limits. The and jailers hurt you, yes, and it is easy to see how badly you hurt now, but I assure you that this is only the beginning. I do not know how you and your father took over this entire facility, but we will not be here when the bats come to reclaim it. You will come with me, Barnes. I am going to keep you alive for a long time. I am going to have your left arm removed, the same arm that put two more championship rings on my fingers. And then I am going to remove your other limbs. I will leave you a helpless torso with nothing but a head to be fed at my whim. I will—
0: Greedock's words trailed off. Faint, growing closer, he heard the heavy, metallic clank thud of approaching footsteps. Quentin heard the footsteps, and his heart surged with hope. Beans was coming in his armored schmeck. With his clumsy middle arms, Greedock yanked the shotgun away from the heavy key. The weapon was almost taller than the leader. It looked comical in his three-fingered hands, but he held it low, the barrel alternating between his captives. All of you keep your fingers laced, Greedock said.
1: Stand and move to the center of the room.
0: The thudding footsteps came closer. Hold on a second, Quentin said. This isn't... The shotgun roared. The left half of Cholita Sackcorn's head exploded, splattering bone and brain on Quentin's face and shoulder. Her body sagged to the floor, what was left of her fingers still laced behind what was left of her head. Murdered, just like that. Alive one second, gone the next. Greedock racked the shotgun, chambering another round. He aimed the barrel at Killian. Move, Carbonaro! Killian stood. Quentin stared at Sacacorn. He'd asked her to do this, and now she was dead. Because of him. He was going to die slowly, horribly. There was no way out. Defeated, drained, Quentin stood. He kept his fingers laced. The metallic footsteps rang in the corridor, so loud it sounded like they were already in the room.
1: Center of the cell,
0: Credox said. Now! Killian grabbed Quentin's arm, pulled him, stumbling, to the center of the cell. Greedock, Vyrak, and Ruang, still carrying Aya, moved to the back of the cell, putting Quentin and Killian between themselves and the cell door. A thick form in the doorway blocked out the corridor light, a mech made of mismatched parts so big it barely fit in the corridor, a metal wrecking machine carrying a minigun in mismatched hands.
1: Carbonaro, tell that thing to
0: leave, Greedock said. He rested the barrel of the shotgun against Aya's dangling head. Or she will be the next corpse. Killian raised his hands toward the Schmeck. Don't come in here, he said. Leave. The Schmeck stayed still. Quentin heard Beans's amplified voice.
1: If they die, you die. That would seem to be the case, Greedock said. "'so let us work together to make sure that does not happen.'
0: "'So calm, so in control. "'What had Greedock been through to make him this way?' "'Beans, just go,' Killian said. "'They'll kill Aya if you don't. "'Go back to the ship. "'That's an order.' "'The Shmech paused for a moment, "'then backed away out of sight. "'The corridor's rectangular patch of light "'again graced a floor streaked with blood and bodies.' Metal footsteps echoed off down the hall. Greedock handed the shotgun back to Ru Eng. The heavy key still held Aya in his lower arms. His upper arms aimed the shotgun at Quentin.
1: Carbonaro, the leader said. I assume that misshapen mech is under your command. I will keep you alive until we can get back to my ship and you will ensure your armored associate stays clear. In exchange for this service, I promise I will leave the girl... And you, at the airlock, unharmed. Do we have a deal?
0: Her and my son both, Killian said. The only way you get out of here is with my help. Quentin and the girl, both. A fresh wave of nausea rolled through Quentin. His head hurt worse than before. The violence, the pain, Chalita's death, the dead Sklorno. It had all gone so horribly wrong. He'd accepted he was as good as dead. And yet here was his father, the man who'd abandoned him as a child, who'd been absent his entire life, standing strong, trying to keep Quentin alive.
1: Your son comes with me, Greedock said. You will take what I have offered.
0: I mean it, Killian said. You leaders are supposed to know if someone is telling the truth. Look into my eyes when I say that the deal is the girl, my son, and me, or my people will cut you down. A frozen moment. Stillness. Greedock staring at Killian, Killian staring at Greedock. Everyone in the room knowing that what happened from here was down to these two sentients. The haze of head pain began to clear. Quentin's father had leverage. Even if Vyrak and Ruang could, somehow, take on the Schmeck, Greedock had no way of knowing how many people Killian had in the facility. Quentin saw the faintest tendril of black on Greedock's cornea.
1: You can have your son, Carbonaro, but not all of him. Virak, use the blade of Carbonaro's ridiculous pistol to cut off Barnes's thumb.
0: Quentin heard the smallest of noises, realized the sound was Virak's finger tightening slightly on the pistol's trigger.
1: His left thumb,
0: Greedock said.
1: Since the fool will never again play for me, I will make sure that he never plays against me.
0: Killian slowly shook his head. No deal, he said. Go ahead and kill all of us, right now. Greedock's cornea went clear.
1: Very well. We will fight our way out. Ruang, break that female's neck.
0: Reality again slowed to a sticky sludge. Killian, body tensing, as he started to launch forward. Lines of power flared across the room, the lines that seemed to show Quentin all possible paths, all courses of action. Those lines wavered, seemed to seek out a way that he could survive this, could keep his father and Aya alive. The lines flicked. They vanished. Because there was no way. Wait! Wait. Quentin's word, a word that seemed to live in his mouth forever, stretching out and out and on and on. Time slammed back to normal again. Everyone was looking at him. Even Killian, who took a small step to keep his balance, as if he'd just started to move but stopped so suddenly he stumbled. A single word. Quentin had screamed it with a voice even more powerful than the one he'd used to be heard over the roar of a hundred thousand sentience. Never before had he spoken while lost in that strange, slow-motion alter reality. That single word had stopped his father from a suicidal attack. Or had it? When in that bizarre zone, had Quentin seen his father stop, or at least start to stop, an infinite instant before Quentin had spoken? Had Killian also seen there was no way to win? Quentin couldn't say for sure. What he did know is his shout had stopped the heavy key from snapping Aya's neck. Wait, just wait, Quentin said, speaking so fast he barely understood the words himself. Aya didn't deserve to die. Not for him. Neither did his father. For all of Killian's faults, his life was in danger only because he was here, trying to help his son. Quentin glanced at Saccacorn's body and at the Sklorno. Dead. Because of him. Enough was enough. He faced Credoc. You have a deal. Killian's face furrowed. His subdermal implants blazed the color of electric blood. This is my choice, Quentin said to him. It will keep us alive. The red glow burned brighter just for a moment, then faded. Father and son both accepted the unspoken yet unquestionable understanding that Greedock would not back down, would not change the deal. It was this or it was death.
1: My offer is accepted, the leader said. I will say this only once. If anyone fights, if anyone does anything other than stay very, very still, all three of you die.
0: Greedock spoke the truth. Quentin knew it. By the look on Killian's face, he knew it, too. There would be no last heroic moment. There would be no second chance. Even if Quentin were at full strength, uninjured in any way, he wasn't faster than the squeeze of a trigger. "'Ru Eng,'
1: Greedock said. "'If Carbonaro makes any move at all, shoot him, then kill the human female. Vyrak, I will tell you again, and for the last time, cut off Barnes's left thumb. "'I will have it fashioned into a necklace, which I will wear like a priestess of his ridiculous church.'" The crippling head pain
0: rushed back to full intensity, and then some. Quentin threw up on the floor. Thick spit and vomit clung to his chin. Barnes, Greedock said.
1: Against the wall, on your knees.
0: Quentin did as he was told. He shuffled to the wall. He glanced once more at Ruang Mip. One of the heavy key's lower arms cradled Aya like she was a sleeping baby. The three-fingered hand of his other arm held her head, a melon he could crush in an instant. Even if Quentin could rally could fight back the pain and find the strength to try and grab the revolver that Vyrak held, somehow overpower the warrior, Aya would still die. Aya and Killian both. The cost was clear. Three lives or one thumb. He met his father's gaze. I'm sorry, Killian said. Why was he apologizing? He'd wanted to shoot the lot of them. Not your fault, Quentin said. Vyrak stepped toward him.
1: On your knees,
0: the warrior said.
1: Left arm straight. Place your hand against the wall.
0: Quentin's body reacted on its own, for he had no will left to fight. He reached out his hand, turned it, pressed the back of it against the cold stone. Vyrak approached from the side, so as not to block Greedock's view. Quentin closed his eyes. He felt the revolver's blade press against the fleshy part at the base of his thumb. His thumb. His throwing hand. More than any other part of him, that hand had given him his dreams, delivered him from the mines. That hand was his identity. He would never again be able to grip a football. Even if he had it regrown, it would never be the same. His hand. His left hand. Quentin looked up into Vyrak's baseball-sized eye, an eye that swirled with so many colors that Quentin's fuzzy, pain-thick brain couldn't process them. Virak, don't! He wanted to say more, but he could not. Those two words were all he could manage. The colors faded from the warrior's cornea, save for a rich purple, sadness, anguish, pain-confusion. With the speed that made Virax so dangerous on the gridiron, he shifted his aim and fired. Shotgun pellets hadn't fully penetrated the heavy key's thick skin. A 700 caliber round was another story. The bullet punched into Ruang Mip's head ripped out the other side, taking shredded flesh and black blood with it. The massive creature twitched, lurched, shuddered, as if he was the one on the X-rack, electricity coursing through his body. Greedock reached for the shotgun, but Killian shoved the leader hard against the cell wall, closed on the heavy key, snatched the weapon away with one hand, grabbed Aya with the other. Ruang's legs gave out. His lower body hit the floor. His upper half wavered for a moment, then fell flat, pebbled skin slapping against stone. Holding the shotgun with one hand, Killian turned, aimed it at Greedock, who had fallen to the floor. On your belly, Killian said. Now! Greydock hesitated, as if he considered rushing the far larger sentient, then lay flat. Killian switched his aim to Vyrak. Give Quentin the pistol, Killian said. The warrior seemed dazed. He stared at the weapon in his hand. Quentin's ears rang. His head screamed. He was still alive. The oversized pistol, with its thick, sharp blade, was right in front of his face. Vyrak. Quentin said. Give me the gun. The warrior let the weapon spin on his trigger finger. It hung upside down, barrel and blade sticking up at an angle. Numb, barely comprehending what was happening, Quentin took the weapon. Back away from my son, Killian said. Quentin, get over here. Take Aya. Vyrak backed away, his feet sliding on the stone floor. Quentin stood stumbled to his father, took the unconscious Aya out of the man's arm. In the melee, her prosthetic nose had torn halfway off. It flopped strangely whenever her head moved. She was still alive. So was Killian. So was he. He hadn't lost his thumb. Relief hit him with overwhelming intensity. He looked at Greedock. The leader's eye was solid black, a shade of deep midnight as dark as his fur. Greedock couldn't control his emotions. He didn't want to. Rage suffused him, filled him, became him. He stared at Virac.
1: You have betrayed your
0: oath, Greedock said.
1: You are nothing.
0: The warrior's cornea shimmered red-orange.
1: I had to, he said. You? You are not worthy of following.
0: The fury built, the nucleus of a sun burning bright and unstoppable.
1: That is not your choice to make. You swore fealty to me, you miserable traitor. You pledged to follow me all your days, yet you betray me for a human?
0: The warrior looked weak as if it took all his energy just to stay on his feet. He knew he had made a mistake, a fatal mistake. He knew he had abandoned his honor, betrayed his entire species. Don't listen to him, Virak, Barnes said. You did the right thing. Those words seemed distant, a whisper from another galaxy, for in that moment, Greedock's existence centered on Virak the Mean and nothing else. The warrior's legs wobbled. He fell more than sat, a deflated bag of flesh and chitin that was barely alive. His half-lidded eye stared out at nothing. He didn't seem to hear Barnes. Barnes. Greedock turned his attention to the backstabbing,
1: conniving human. Now that you have me, Barnes, what are you going to do with me? I do not fear death.
0: Barnes swayed left, then right. He looked only slightly better off than Virac. You will recant your testimony to the Ministry of Religion, the human said. That was the reason for all of this. Barnes wanted to be free of the CMR. Did he think he could just go back to his old life?
1: I will die before that happens, Greedock said. You will torture me, I am sure, and while you do, Barnes, I will laugh. You thought you were tough. You thought you could endure. You... Broke. When you finally kill me, you will know I did not break.
0: Barnes's eyes widened, then blinked rapidly. He was in great pain, barely staying conscious. Greedock could use that against him.
1: I know what victory means to you, Barnes. You will never have victory over me. For the few days you have left, while you are on the run from the Empire, you will know that I am your better. I have always been your better.
0: The human gathered himself, stood straight. I believe you, he said. I don't think you can break, Greedock. You're right. You're stronger than I am. I'm not going to torture you. The pathetic fool. Greedock was willing to go to his grave before admitting defeat, but if the human didn't have the will to finish the job, there was still a way out of this.
1: If you're not going to torture me, then what are you going to do? Think carefully. We can both get what we want. A small
0: noise from the dark edges of the room. Masal, still in the shadows, shaking like mad. Greedock had forgotten all about him. It didn't matter. The worker could do nothing. Masal was useless. Just like Virac, Just like Hokor, Just like everyone. Quentin looked from Masal back to Greedock. The leader met the human stare.
1: Well, Barnes, do you want to make a deal, or are you going to run your mouth until I die of boredom?
0: Quentin smiled a broken toothed smile. You won't die of boredom, he said. As for what I'm going to do, you'll see soon enough. Killian, get Beans in here to move these bodies, and tell him to find restraints that will work on Greedock. We got what we wanted. Let's get off this rock. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler. Engineered by Steve Rickeyberg. Copyright 2020 Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.